You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. I was able to uh, teach down at Golden State, and uh, one of the classes that I taught was the book of Romans. And this is the most doctrinal book in the Bible. Brother David, I'm going to bring some flashbacks to you. You're going to go back into college uh, mode here in a few minutes. He was he had taken some of those classes. But uh, Romans chapter 6, and when we get into this passage, uh, I love the Apostle Paul. Uh, he is, his teaching, the way he taught, the the transformation of lifestyle, it was just, just amazing to look what God did in his life, and then to be able to see how God used him to uh, to make a difference. And, uh, and of course, we understand that the, the words of God are God's words. They're not Paul's words. Uh, but God had a vessel prepared to present his word. And, and, and with this, when you think about Paul and his teaching, Paul was an apologist. Now, apologetics is a, it is a branch of theology and what it does that gives, uh, it gives the, um, it's just defending uh, against uh, Christian, against the, uh, uh, defends Christianity against the opposition. And it, it will take and it will address issues that were current and were just uh, giving answers accordingly. Now, many areas of Paul's writings, what we find is Paul starts with questions. And why is he starting with questions? Because he would begin where people were at that he was writing to, teaching, investing in, and he would know where they were at. He would, uh, I'm sure it was just, he, would, he cared, he was praying, he was in tune with the Lord. And in doing so then, he would see where they were at and recognizing their condition where they needed to go, and then he would start asking questions that they were asking and break them down in such a way that it removed the obstacles for them to be able to see the error of where they were and to truly see truth so they could make a wise decision. And so, so apologetics is, uh, is definitely an interesting uh, area, and, uh, but Paul was, he was so smart. He was he was so smart that he was able to take and break everything down and be able to communicate uh, that truth so people would have the proper doctrinal position. You know, we need to have the proper doctrinal position. If we are not doctrinally sound, then we will, we will be changing all the time. We will, we will let somebody that's a smooth talker change our position. Why? Because we don't really know where we stand. It's what somebody else told us and we just grabbed a hold of it and then somebody else brought something else up and now all of a sudden there's this battle in our mind and it comes back to, do we have an answer as Brother Josh had just uh, shared there? Uh, you know, we have to be able to give an answer of the hope that is in us. And so having that doctrinal position. Uh, so when we look at the book of Romans, Romans uh, is, is broken out. I'm going to give you an outline. Uh, this is an outline that I used when I was teaching. Uh, the first 17 verses, we're dealing with uh, just an introduction uh, to the book of Romans. And when you're looking in those first 17 verses, 
you're going to see all kinds of problems. Uh, and you're going to see the, the uh, manifestation or just the revealing uh, of sinful behavior. But when he gets into uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 18 through chapter 3, verse 20, he is teaching on the doctrine of sin. The doctrine of sin. Not just right, wrong. There is, there is the very basis for what makes something wrong. What is it that, that, why is it right? Why is it wrong? It's more than just the pastor said. It's more than just our parents told us or my Sunday school teacher told, told us. Uh, no, what is the basis of right and wrong? It comes down to what does God say? Where are those lines? And so when you get into uh, the first uh, breakdown here, we see the doctrine of sin. And then he goes into the doctrine of salvation. And the order here is perfect because there can no, be no salvation until there is an understanding of sin. That's why it's very important for us when we are communicating the gospel to somebody that we don't just uh, ask uh, leading questions to where, or we, we just uh, bring somebody along and we're not helping them uh, make that understanding for themselves that they are a sinner. Because without the understanding of our sinful condition, there is no necessity of a Savior. If I am not a sinner, then I am not in need of salvation. But for me to recognize my personal need of a Savior, uh, I have to recognize my sinful condition. And you and I, uh, everybody who has lived on this earth, we have sinned against Almighty God. And the doctrine of sin, it breaks it down for us so we can understand where we stand. Why? What is this area of sin? How does that apply? Uh, what does it do uh, for our view of humanity? We're not getting better. This world isn't getting better. Why? Doctrine of sin tells us we were born in sin. We are born in sin. And that sinful condition has got, uh, has got to be paid for. And it will be paid for either by an individual spending eternity in a devil's hell, or it will be paid for by the atonement of Christ. And it, it's a decision that each one of us have to make. So we have the doctrine of sin, then we go into the doctrine of salvation. And that doctrine of salvation, understanding what Christ has done for us. We are saved not because of what we do. We are saved because what he has done. We are justified. Salvation and justification, uh, two words that uh, mean the same. Uh, and that salvation results in justification. Because we are saved, we are justified. Because we are saved, God does not look at us as a sinner. Uh, God looks us at us as his son. So we have the imputed righteousness of Christ. And that, that righteousness of Christ, Christ, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so Jesus Christ was the one that took that sin debt upon himself and he imputed or he gave, he placed on our account his righteousness. 
And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Christ's righteousness. Why? Because he paid for that sin debt for us. Then we go into, after the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation, then we get into chapter 6 through 8, where we are at tonight, and we see the doctrine of sanctification. It doesn't stop with salvation. The Christian life isn't isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not that, okay, now I'm saved, I can do whatever I want. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that get saved and live that way. Well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Well, God will forgive me. I mean, it's amazing how we can learn some Bible and pretty soon we've learned enough Bible to justify our sinful behavior. We learn 1 John 1, 9, but he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's almost as if, well, I'll sin, I'll do what I know is wrong, but the Lord will forgive me. And that behavior, that lifestyle, that thinking is not a proper thinking. It's not a proper way for a believer to have their relationship. You see, salvation is the beginning of a relationship with God. When we get saved, we are born into God's family. Born into God's family. We've got some ladies that are expecting. Miss Bethany is ready to have her baby. She's ready. Uh, And uh, due dates this week, right? Uh, and, you know, we've got some new life that's coming. Those are, that's exciting times. These are exciting days. But, but that birth, that's just the beginning of a whole life. That birth is just the beginning of a whole opportunity for a family to know each other, to grow close together, for that, for that baby, that, that child to live a life. And, you know, as a Christian, when you get saved, a person gets saved, That's just the first step, that being born again. So here when we look at chapter number 6, we're going to start looking into this area of uh, of, uh, uh, sanctification. And sanctification is a process of the Holy Spirit whereby He works in the heart of the believer to make one holy. The word sanctification, sanctification, is to set apart. And it's literally to set apart for God's use. So when something is sanctified, it's set apart for a specific use. You and I are to be set apart for God's use. And that process has nothing to do with us getting saved. It has to do with the process that's supposed to be a result of us being saved. It is not because I am trying to earn merit with God or to earn his love. It is because I am loved, and because I love, I want to live for him. And so sanctification, it's a process. It's a process of holiness, uh, and the believer ought to be holy. Romans 5.1 
The Bible says, uh, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's talking about justification. That's talking about salvation. Because we are saved, we can have peace with God. But that is not where it stops. Uh, and salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And that's what brings us to be justified in God's sight. Uh, but uh, so when we go to Ephesians, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we've got a little bit of a, uh, not too much longer in the introduction, then we'll get to a message. Uh, but uh, uh, here, use your Bible tonight, Ephesians chapter 2. These are familiar passages, but I want you, we're going to tie these together uh, back with uh, Romans chapter 6. Ro Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And you and I, uh, as a child of God, uh, we were saved not because of any work that we did. There is, there is nothing that we can give up to, to merit salvation. There is nothing that we can do to merit salvation. Salvation is by grace, through faith, and the finished work of Christ. It's not of us, it's the gift of God. Uh, but this salvation is not the end of the journey. Look at verse number 10. He said, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So after we become a child of God, there is a life that God has already ordained that we should be living and that life should be lived for him. It should be a life of good works, but it is to bring glory to God. And, and so uh, that's where uh, sanctification comes in. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 15. The Bible says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. In all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And there we go, that word holy again, sanctified, holy. Uh, they're the same uh, word, set apart. And God, God is saying that we are to be holy as he is holy. But how do we become holy? How do we become holy? Is it just following a list of do's and don'ts? You know, following a list of do's and don'ts is very unfulfilling. It is. Being holy has nothing to do with following a list of do's and don'ts. Are there do's and don'ts? Yes, there are. But the law was for the lawless. And here, when we look at this, God wants us to be holy as he is holy. Salvation justifies us. Sanctification purifies us. That's what allows us to be usable. Brother Rick and I went to, uh, uh, we went to a, uh, out to lunch yesterday after soul winning. 
And we went to lunch, and it was one of the, bu- the buffet-type places. It was a bu- uh, the Mongolian barbecue. And he, he grabbed a bowl, and he pulled the bowl out, and he looked in, and it wasn't clean. So he grabbed his thumbnail, and he just scraped it all off. Cleaned his fingernail after he... No, he didn't. (laughs) He looked at the bowl and he set it down. And he grabbed another bowl. Why? He didn't want to use a dirty vessel. You know what? God doesn't want to use a dirty vessel. God wants us to be clean. God wants us to be a vessel that he can use. You know, I grabbed my coffee cup. I do that every once in a while. When I grab my coffee cup and, you know, if, if, my coffee, if there was something all over my coffee cup, I'm getting another cup. Why? I don't want to use a dirty cup. Now, my, cof- my coffee cups, I have used them for tea, but it's almost, I almost feel heretical using a coffee cup uh, for tea. Uh, but uh, it's, it's not. But my coffee cups, when I, when I think about my, the co- cups that I use for my coffee, uh, you know, they are, in my mind, that is the purpose of them. It is for coffee. Uh, it's, not for some, it's not for hot chocolate. It's not for any, It's for coffee. That's a coffee cup. Uh, and, you know, I use it for that. You know, God wants to be able to look down and see some vessels that are able to be used for His glory. Some vessels that are, that, are, that are clean and ready and available to be used. So here, how do we become holy? Let's go back to Romans chapter number 6. Now, when we look at Romans chapter 6, and we read this passage, what we're going to find is that there are, there are a couple different, well, I'll just read it and we'll get into it. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Okay, so remember, Paul is the apologist. He's the apologist. He is, he is asking the question already. What he is dealing with is there are people that, were, uh, that recognize that we are not under the law, we are under grace. And you know what? We are. We're not under the law, we are under grace. But that being under grace is not a license to sin. And Paul here is dealing with that. He just dealt with salvation. Now he's dealing with, well, just because you're saved does not mean you can live any way that you want to live. Just because you're saved and God has given us grace doesn't mean that we have this license uh, to do what uh, anything that we want to do. And so he is, he is addressing that. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. You see, when you got saved, that lifestyle before salvation is not supposed to be the lifestyle after salvation. It's supposed to be different. There is a world that we leave and a, a, a life that we leave and a new life that we begin. A new life in Christ. And so verse number two, he said, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? 
And what I'm afraid of is believers are not dead to sin. Saved, but not dead to sin. We've accepted that gift of salvation. We, we have our, our ticket, if you would. We have our entrance into heaven. We've got the forgiveness of our sins. But he said, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He goes on. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, because of this, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. These believers were so mixed up that they were, they were justifying a sinful lifestyle after salvation. Uh, and because they were not under the law, uh, and they were, they were looking for a license uh, to sin, and, and they, were, they were living in that way. And here, when, when we look at this, Paul is trying to get them to take that step from salvation to sanctification. And so tonight, we're going to look at that. And we're going we're gonna to look at the, uh, the, the teaching here in this passage. And I'm going to preach to you on the message entitled, Baptized into Death. Baptized into Death. Now, this is not a 101 class tonight. This is, this tonight, we're, we're taking some steps where this, this as, as a believer, this is, this is mature believer behavior. It is the, should be the goal of those that are growing, but it should be the condition of those that are mature. Being baptized into death. A little bit different title. But I think Paul will be able to explain it here, and we'll try to make some sense of it tonight. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to understand this uh, key doctrine, and I pray that you would give us insight and wisdom. Uh, Lord, from the youngest child to the, the oldest saint, I pray that you'd help all of us to be able to glean some things. Uh, may there be truth for all of us to grab a hold of and to be able to take some steps uh, in our own faith. Uh, but may you work, please. Uh, in our lives. Bless now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, so as we look here, uh, we're, we're looking at the Apostle Paul, and as he is mentioning this, he's talking about death, he's talking about baptism. Now, uh, he, is, he is mixing some things in an effort to bring about an understanding uh, that he was trying to get the believers to recognize that they are to be dead to sin. He is trying to get them to recognize that as a child of God, uh, they are now, uh, though they are alive in Christ, they are to be dead to sin. But for them to be alive in Christ, they have to be dead to sin. That was not a circular reasoning statement. 
There, there has to be, for us to truly be alive in Christ, not to be saved. Your sal- salvation is determined when you accept Christ. But if we are going to be alive in Christ right now, Paul wasn't telling us that we needed to die. He was trying to get us to recognize that we were to be alive in Christ. And for that to happen, we had to be dead to sin. So number one, uh, the death of Christ brings new life. Uh, the death of Christ brings salvation. And, and when I say the death of Christ, uh, we're talking about the full scope of the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection. But in this passage of scripture, Paul only is identifying and looking at the death. But we do know that it wasn't just the death of Christ on the cross that purchased salvation. It was the death, the burial and the resurrection. We understand that. Paul knew that. He was the one that penned 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, so uh, he, he understood that. And, and, but in this analogy, he is trying to get the believer to recognize that, that uh, just as, as Christ, uh, his death, uh, the, the gospel event, the, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, it is what brought new life. Uh, therefore, verse number four, uh, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. Uh, but what we find here is that salvation, Christ's death, it does bring new life. It does bring new life. And, uh, and as a child of God, we can have that new life, that justification, that salvation. Uh, the doctrine of bat- baptism and the ordinance of baptism does not bring salvation. It is a different doctrine. We have the doctrine of salvation, but there's a doctrine on baptism, and, uh, and the two are not intertwined. Uh, baptism has nothing to do with our salvation. Uh, it's a complete and uh, separate doctrine. But, but here, uh, when, when we trust Christ, we're saved, and we're saved through his death, uh, that b- death, the, uh, the, gospel, the whole gospel event there. But sa- sanctification is when we are dead with Christ, and our identity is in him, uh, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. And Christ's death uh, is what brings life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's look at verse number 16, and we'll read through verse 22. 1 Corinthians 16, or 15, verse 16. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not, uh, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, ye are yet in your sins. Again, uh, through 1 Corinthians 15, we see the apologetics uh, of Paul. He is, he is asking questions. He is uh, presenting op- opposing uh, positions, and then he comes back and clarifies. So, uh, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. So he is dealing with people who are rejecting the resurrection. Uh, he says, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which fall asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since uh, by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made 
alive. So the death of Christ does bring new life. It brings that salvation. And because of what Christ has done, we can have that, that, that new life, that forgiveness of sin, that uh, salvation. But uh, as Paul is trying to deal with in this passage of Scripture, we see secondly that identifying with the death of Christ brings newness of life. You see, Christ's sacrifice, it brings, new, it brings life. It brings new life for those that believe. But identifying with the death of Christ is what brings newness of life. You see, when, when we baptize somebody, they buried in likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Uh, what is there? there to walk in newness of life. Why are they to walk in newness of life? Uh, because that is what God's plan is for us. After we're saved, that there is a transformation of our life. It is not the same old, same old. It's not just that I, I got the forgiveness of my sins and now I can just live my life as I want it. No, there is a difference. And so here what Christ is teaching us is that we need to be identifying with the death of Christ. Uh, baptism is an a it, it is a uh, it is an image. It is a, a it is a visual where we are we are just picturing the death, the burial, the resurrection. And as somebody is getting baptized, there is obedience. But baptism doesn't make you holy. And Paul wasn't talking about a physical baptism here, other than trying to liken what that really and truly represents. And that truly represents that, that we as believers are to be dead in Christ. And being dead in Christ allows us to walk in newness of life. Because of resurrection power, because Christ rose again, we, 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 are, we, are, uh, we are identifying with Christ in his death. And with that then, that gives us the opportunity, that gives us the ability then to be able to, in resurrection power, just like Christ was raised from the dead, we are to be raised as a new person. We are to be raised and living uh, in that newness of life. And so uh, here, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll find here the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which ye also received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So, as believers... We are to identify with the death of Christ, and in his, in his death, we, are, we will find a new life. We are to live in Christ. Now, stay there. Go down to verse 22. Go down to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 22. The Bible says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, so here, just as Christ and Adam all die, 
the human side, uh, the natural man. Uh, in Adam we die. But when we're in Christ, there's life. But there's not just salvation, life and salvation. There's also to be life, newness of life right now. The Christian life is a life to be lived today. Not just something to be enjoyed in heaven. We are to live in newness of life. Well, how are we to do that? Uh, how are we to be able to, to embrace this, this newness of life uh, that uh, uh, Paul is talking about here in Romans? Uh, he said, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, even as Christ was resurrected, that same power, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Uh, the resurrected power of Christ is to be lived out in and through our life. And, and so he said that we are to be dead in Christ. Now, uh, being dead in Christ, Paul, in uh, verse 31, let me see, I think that's right. Uh, that's 1 Corinthians 15. Let me go back here real quickly. Uh, but Paul was identifying there as well. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 31, he said, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Uh, what was it? He was, he was talking about uh, that he was dying uh, with Christ. It wasn't that he was being crucified. It wasn't that he was dead doing nothing. He was identifying with the death in Christ, identifying with Christ in death uh, as what? As a person without a flesh. As a person without an old nature. What is it? We are to be dead in Christ. We are to die with Christ so we can be alive. We can walk in newness of life. The identifying with him in death is that we would have the opportunity then uh, to die to ourself. Die to our sinful nature. Our flesh. Our desires. And, and with that, uh, what do we see? Uh, we see that when we identify ourselves as dead in Christ, we see that that new life will be revealed. You know, a dead man has no pride. We're to be dead. The Bible says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know what? The flesh in the scripture represents the natural man, the sinful man. He said, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens? Christ covers up our flesh. Our flesh, our natural man, our sinful status, our sinful behavior, then should be hid in Christ. And here, when we're looking at this, uh, he's talking about being dead. Uh, a dead man has no pride. A dead man has no jealousy. Christian, we're to be dead in Christ. A dead man has no hatred. 
Dead man has no lust, no lascivious lifestyle. You see, when Paul said, I die daily, he wasn't saying that, that he's killed every day. He was saying that daily he identified with Christ in death. And I was baptized into Christ's death. I was made a partaker of his death. In Adam all die, but in Christ all shall be made alive. And here what we find is the opportunity, the ability for us to truly live in newness of life is the reality that we have to die uh, in our flesh. We have to die to self. Uh, that that uh, a dead man has no addictions to a bottle. A dead man has no vice to a pipe or a cigarette or a pill or a needle. A dead man has no deviant ways. Why? He's dead. A dead man has no immoral or godless desires. You see, identifying in the death allows us to be sanctified, to be made holy. Dead men don't sin. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, the life of the believer is to be a new life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's a, it's a new lifestyle. It's a new way of living, but it's also a new, new way of, of experiencing Christ working in and through us. Because we are identifying in his death, uh, we are not living unto sin. Uh, dead men don't sin. Dead men don't have earthly plans. Our, our identity with the death of Christ regains new life. A life in Christ, a life uh, that are in the heavens, a life that it has a heavenly purpose. Go to uh, Colossians chapter uh, Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter three, verse number one. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of, uh, on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You see, a person who is saved has had all their sins forgiven. The penalty has been paid. But a person who has, a, has identified with the death of, of Christ is expected to walk in that newness of life. There is that expectation, I'm dead to this life and I am alive unto Christ. Uh, and that's why, uh, that's why when, uh, when somebody gets saved and they're, trying, they're, they're moving forward in their Christian faith, there's a battle. Why is there a battle? Because we still have an old man. 
We still have an old sinful nature. Paul put it this way. He said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Uh, What was it? He said, that which I would, I do not. That which I would not, that I do. He said, I find then a law in my members that that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You know what? That is a battle that all of us uh, face. There's a battle of the old man versus the new man, the old nature versus the new nature. Uh, But we we are to identify with Christ in death. And what happens is then we are we are setting aside our position here. We are, we are setting aside what we would rather do. And what would Christ have me do? You know those little bracelets that, that got popular years ago? Those little plastic bracelets? WWJD. What would Jesus do? I hate the bracelets, but I like the idea. What would Jesus do? Jesus... Jesus, if we are dead in Christ and we are identifying with that, we are, we are looking for his will in our life and not our own. We are looking to, to draw closer to him, not to draw closer to the world. We are, we are looking and saying, it's not what everybody else is doing. It is, I am trying to draw closer to God. I am trying to, uh, to, to live according to how he would want me to live so I would please him. Uh, and, and the whole mindset has nothing to do with rules and regulations and, and things that he has set up. And God has put some parameters up in our life. But if we are truly trying to follow him, we don't need the parameters other than to give us some baselines to help us understand understand what direction we are to be going. Uh, and, and that's why we are to, to follow the Lord. Uh, and when somebody gets saved, uh, we are to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Why? We are identifying with Christ. But what that baptism represents and what the salvation, uh, what Christ has done on the cross, then we are to, uh, we are to be buried with him. We are to raise in newness of life. And that new life is what would he want us to do. You know, Christian, we we live in a world that everything is about us. What do you want? Well, if that's what you think is right, who can tell you you're wrong? Everybody can't be right. I heard a preacher one time use an illustration and he said, if this is absolute truth and this, there's a straight, perfect line, absolute truth, he said, I am, only tr- I am only right when I cross that line because none of us are on that line. Christ is the only one that was on that line. But when we are dead to ourselves, when we are dead in Christ. Now all of a sudden, there's a new set of standards to be lived by. Because the natural man, we are endeavoring to put to death. So, through the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead, we can walk in that newness of life. Sanctification isn't us doing everything right 
Sanctification is the Spirit of God working in the life of the believer to bring about holiness. But He is working to make us holy. He is working to bring about that end in our life. But we have to determine where we're going to identify. Are we going to identify with Christ being baptized into his death? Or are we going to identify with our own identity of who we want to be? What do we want to do? So it comes down to whose life? As a believer, we have new life, salvation. But newness of life, the life lived new, is going to be because of what Christ has done. And that we are identifying with him. We are to live in that newness of life. Are you saved tonight? All right, praise the Lord. Have you followed the Lord in believer's baptism? All right. Are we identifying in Christ's death? Are we dying to self? We're not. We need to. Why? So we can rise in newness of life. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. A different message, but I do pray that you'd help us to just grow uh, in our faith. You know the needs of each person uh, here and those that are online. Help all of us, Lord, to be able to grab these truths and uh, and apply them in our life and help us to grow, please. Speak to hearts for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.